When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which the upcoming match is being played. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past and present. Checking you can hear the opener now. Yes, we can. Five in a row. The ball is his. The moment arrives. Elliot kicks the goal. Collingwood are close like the Grim Reaper. And they hold Carlton's heart in their hand right now. Welcome to AFL Nation. It has been a fractious week for the game that has taken a deep toll and it is an awkward backdrop as we head towards Sir Doug Nichols' rounds. The Friday night starting point of round 10 is Port Adelaide and Melbourne. The power on a six-game winning streak. Melbourne just feel like they're one out and one back and cruising at this point in the season. Does Port's best stack up against the benchmark? They had one sneaky look earlier on against Collingwood and they're a mile off after whacking Brisbane in a very curious game at the start of the season. So Portsworth is very much on display. Well, Melbourne haven't necessarily travelled their bests. Have they put their best on the plane to Adelaide tonight? Hello and welcome to AFL Nation for Elders win the ultimate grand final weekend by opening an Elders prepayment account and for tyre power get the power. Jared Waitley with you. Jared Healy is with me. Hello to you, Jared. Jared, it's been a tough week, as you uh, rightly pointed out, a fractious week. It's been uh, disappointing in, in many ways, but I want to start on a positive because I have found a positive, and that is that there's been a revolution almost, a backlash of unknown quantities over in the West because Ed Richards was dropped from Jono's rolling All-Australian side. And I believe that the backlash was it was as deep as it was broad. So we'll, uh, we'll look into that at some stage. And I also thought the highlight on radio this week was Razor Ray confirming that the push in the back rule lives. <laughs> We're going to spend a little bit of time oh, there good. tonight. We're going to get back to it. <laughs> I feel like we should. Yep. I, you, you and I had a lot sort of riding on we those did. questions. Well, I'll sleep over it during the week. <laughs> I, I thought the rule was gone. Brad Johnson, so he, he's been the smiling assassin he out west, he's, And he's he? assassinated a couple. <laughs> Hello to you, John. Uh, good evening, Jared. How are you? Jared, it's, it's How great are you, to be... more importantly? I'm good. You sure? I'm very good. Very good. So for those who don't follow what you do week to week, and it's a terrific exercise to measure the worth of players and, I think, popular opinion throughout the season, each Wednesday night... That's right. ...with Jared, you... you move your All-Australian team around. Yeah, it's very much rolling, isn't it? So, very early days, there was a, a lot of a lot of droppings that happened throughout yeah. uh, throughout that, that period, yeah. and, that, and that happens. Now it started to settle a little bit. It's getting harder and harder each week to to fit everybody in because the the cream is really rising to the top in terms of the performances that we're seeing from from certain individuals. And So it's not always that a player has lost form, but just someone is going even better. Yes. So it looks like a slight on Ed Richards. But it's not. But he <laughs> got coaches' votes. Well, so did Connor Rosie and Zach Butters, and that was my that was that was the issue I had here. Was okay. Zach Butters wasn't in the team, and I was desperate to get Zach Butters in because yeah. he's been going so well. So I get Zach Butters in the team. Last week, Richards was the sub. So unfortunately, if you're the sub, 
you're going to jump straight out because I put Tom Stewart in to replace Saad. Jono, I'm not worried the, about Ed Richards. So, I'm more worried about your marriage oh, to no, Rowan Smith. Oh, there you go. You dropped, you've dropped him in now. He's going to be Sorry, absolutely Ron. shattered oh, with that. Did you, in fact, get sent clips it wasn't, of Ed Richards' game? It, it wasn't even – it wasn't even – it wasn't just Rowan either. Oh, there, was, no. there was a few more that I, heard that I think he might have recruited to – and part of our group message that was, might, was, there, was there a former halfback flanker? I think there was a lot of halfback flankers that, yeah. that certainly attacked me very, very hard. I think you but, should be calling Lindsay no, Kilby halfback flanker. That's a bit rude. Sorry, in back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Gilbs. That's the good part about this, though, is now it's back on Ed Richards, isn't it? Oh, he's got because to produce. He's got to produce. Up at the rat. Exactly. And it's going to be cold and it's going to suit Ed Richards perfectly. And we'll see how he performs uh, tomorrow. Is it the greatest game we've ever seen at the rat tomorrow? Yep. This is going to be huge, isn't it? It's got the greatest matchup, the captain of the Crows versus the captain of the Dogs. What a cracker if it transpires mm. that way, which I think it probably will. Yep. Yeah, Dawson versus Bontempelli. Bont no Tex Walker. That's a which, real which shame, hurts. isn't it? Because yep. he was the yeah. defining figure last year when Adelaide caused the upset. Mm. Yeah. So that that's and it was a hell of an upset thing. after a scrappy day. It was a hell of a finish, wasn't it? <laughs> well, it was. It was. But they they got a couple of key outs. The the Adelaide Crows that that may hurt them in this. In this contest, but but other than that, they're playing fantastic footy. They're they're a great team to to visually watch at the moment. All right. So the ro- the rise of Rosie and Butters has been a big part of the past six weeks for Port Adelaide. How so? Are we coming to tr- test Port's credentials, or did it get too undermined at selection where they they are just a patchwork up forward tonight? Yeah, it's it's quite staggering. You know, I think if we were here this time last year and uh, we were casting our eyes forward and and we looked at Port Adelaide side. So there's no Dixon, no Marshall, and no Georgiades. We'd be saying absolutely no chance. Mm. Now Georgiades has fell off the perch form-wise, and now he's got an ACL, which is a, a terrible setback. Marshall, we know, has got concussion, and and I'm not sure why Big Charlie isn't playing. I know he's got a dicky knee, but uh, he, he's not in. So they're a makeshift forward line, Jono, but they are a pretty hard hardened unit, and they're, they're not, they won't be easy to roll. No, they won't be. They're, you're right. It, it does fall down to. Whether or not they've got the they've got the ability to use the ball well going forward to restrict the influence of Lever and May, so that that's that comes down to the question here because their forwards aren't as strong, their forward line isn't as strong as what it should be. So therefore, the two key pillars for for the D's just can't have outstanding games tonight. So how that how that falls, we wait and see. Last week they moved Burton forward off the back of Marshall going down. Now they probably won't start that way, but it's just some flexibility they may be able to go with if Lever, for example, starts to get get on top. And the other one's uh, young Ollie Lord. So whether he's got that ability to to go to a Stephen May and just try and completely take him out of the game, yep. out of the contest, which is which is difficult because he reads it so well and he's able to be assertive in the way that he plays his footy. So there, the, that's the question mark for me because I think the the matchups for the for the mid size and the smalls is actually quite quite good and will be quite fierce in in some ways. It's those two keys if Port Adelaide can can restrict the influence. If Darcy Byrne Jones is going to do a restrictive uh, role. Would it would it be on Brayshaw if he starts there? Because they've brought Salem in, which is a, a great thrill, I'm sure, to all Melbourne supporters that he's back in the side. You've got Bowie, Bowie in there as well. Lever May Hibbert doesn't leave much room for uh, for uh, one other. So mm. does Brayshaw stay there? I think they're a better side myself when he's at, across the half-back flank, even in their premiership year and even last year. I thought when they signed the contract and he had that guarantee to go in the middle, or we thought he had the guarantee, uh, I reckon they're a better side with him no, across I think the back. I think he has to stay across there with Jack Viney now playing some really good minutes through yep. the midfield. I think that, that keeps Brayshaw in that position, maybe on a wing at certain stages when Hunter or Langdon take a break and he goes and pushes up to play that particular role. But I think that's his best position. The vision we've all seen of when Angus Brayshaw was mic'd up this year and he's sort of getting back in the contest and the way yep. that he uh, you know, supports his teammates and the way that he directs his teammates and the leadership role that he plays down there, apart from the skill aspect that he brings, yep. I think that's that's a critical part to their, their setup and structure. Do you want to lay your theory on the table at the start of the night? How does Port Adelaide go about it with maniacal pressure and tackling? They, they have to embrace the defensive side of the game tonight. And they have to be fierce in that, in their approach to this. And because we look around the midfield and we go, okay, well, they've got their two key ruckman. Lysette will have to battle it out. Finn Lason adds adds a layer to that. But it's when it hits the ball, hits the deck. And you've got Wines, Rosie, Butters, Drew and Boak. They're probably the main five that will spend majority of the time in there for, for Port Adelaide. So I'm going, okay, well, and I know these are just specific numbers, but I go straight to the, straight to the tackle aspect of things. So I think Gorn and Grundy, 
And I think then obviously ground level Petrarca, Oliver, they'll get enough hands on ball. It's what happens post that that is the critical aspect. And this is where Port Adelaide have to be ferocious at these guys once it hits the deck. And it's difficult to do. But Wines has to have 10-plus tackles tonight. He's done it already this year. He needs to back that up again in a big home game. You've got Rosie, who has to have eight. He's done it once this year. You've got Butters, who has to have eight. He's had six twice. He needs to just get a couple more more in around the contest. Drew, we know, is that defensive player anyway. He has to get 10-plus. He's done it twice this year. And Boke is six-plus. He's had six twice, playing more as a, a forward coming up behind the contest. 42 tackles between these five players is critical tonight. And that that's... That sets the tone, I think, for everybody else on on the outside, especially in and around the uh, around the contest. Now, you're saying, well, it's just defensive and they're going to get smashed potentially doing that because they're second to the ball. It's what happens off that first one. Petrarca, Oliver, go for it. Viney, they've got to be fierce in that. And then, obviously, once it spills from that, they need to then be, have that, that second layer, that outer circle set up perfectly to yep. then respond from it. So... I think it's on. I think it's on that from embracing that aspect, and these guys set the tone, no question. It's critical for them to get forward out of the middle, and they've got some deficiencies in the ruck. We understand mm. that, but it hasn't hurt them so badly because uh, they've been able to win plenty of ground ball. But uh, I think Melbourne would be concerned about that. They don't score from the back line essentially. Uh, Port Adelaide, they get about seven percent of their score from the from the uh, defensive mm. fifty, which is unlike Melbourne, who get a lot of their score. But maybe. If they're concerned about that as the key for them winning, they do put Brayshaw in the middle of the ground with Sparrow not there because they have got this plethora of half-back flankers. So they may just load up in the middle and go, righto, this is the only way they can beat us. Mm. And so they do put the extra big body in there. But uh, I reckon come September, if they've got everybody fit, I still reckon Brayshaw's on the yep. half-back flank well, and they have to make a call on who misses out. Yeah, definitely. If this becomes a shootout, I think the Ds will yep. dominate this game. And that's why I sort of try and bring it back a little bit for the power in what they need to what they need to do to to get themselves in the contest. If we get if we sit at quarter time and Port Adelaide had ten to fifteen tackles for the quarter, then they're probably two or three goals already down on the scoreboard. So that's that's the aspect of it. They need to set the tone early in this game. Mm. Both teams are seven and two. It's second versus fourth, and they are embracing their indigenous names tonight. So Melbourne is Nam, and Port Adelaide is Yatapalti. So they've uh, got beautifully designed jumpers, and uh, two of the three teams who are going uh, with their indigenous da- name for Sir Doug Nichols' rounds. We'll come back through it. We'll be talking to Chris Davies from Port Adelaide and Troy Chaplin from Melbourne in our pre-game show. Tomorrow's car is available today, a selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We have been immersed since yesterday morning in the Alastair Clark story, and the the terribly drawn-out Hawthorne investigation and the independent process that was put in place. This was a bit of how it unfolded across yesterday. This is going to be a tumultuous day for the Kangaroos. And the dream of Alistair Clarkson being able to rebuild that club has been complicated from the moment we reached grand final week last year. It's our firm belief that he will be back this year. But if you ask him and if you ask us, we can't tell you whether it's one week or six weeks. So we'll take that as it comes. Shows you how serious it is for him that he has felt the need to step away from the football club during this time. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, this this is supposed to be a fair process. It's It's been a fair balls up, I'd say. It's amateur hour. Like, like these people who were put in place to, to interview both sides of the of the situation to get a clearer picture on what actually happened, haven't done their job. I did think there'd be some tough moments, um, and there have been, that's absolutely true. Um, I've got to say the last 24 hours has been pretty challenging. There's people still at Hawthorne who have blood on their hands. It, the more I talk about it, the angrier I get. I mean, they've just slowly destroyed the fabric of this guy. Real toughness in the man is to stand up and say, I need help. And that is about the toughest thing you can do, I reckon. It landed heavily yesterday morning, Jared, and, uh, there's a, a, it's prompted a lot of commentary and then I think a lot of deep thinking yep. as well. What, what was your first reaction? Oh, it's just so sad. Mm. I mean, I really was sad for Clarko primarily and his family uh, that, that they've they've got to a point where, you know, he's had to take time out. So, you know, who knows how he's mm. going, but uh, he's clearly in a really dark space. I mean, he's a very resilient man. Um, 
hardened man and he's uh, he preaches resilience and he would have been fighting and fighting and fighting and, and ultimately realised that uh, he was doing more harm than good to himself and potentially to the, fo- the footy club. So he's made the right call, a brave call, a tough call. But uh, that was my immediate thoughts. And then I, then I move on to, I mean, the reality of life. And, and you just feel for those players that uh, are playing at the footy club at North Melbourne thinking, well, they've had a similar, uh, as Todd, Todd Viney said, that they're, they're going through a, a similar you know, sequence of disasters uh, whether they be administrative or you know human and personal like this one is, but they have to actually they have to play. It's their careers, and with every year that the, the disasters continue to mount up, another year of their career goes. And you know I think that if you've been at a poor club and you understand that you, you know you, you get to your mid twenties and all of a sudden you think, gee, my career's gone. I'm still down the bottom of the ladder, and 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 there'll be some. You know, there'll be some soul-searching there, and I just hope that they understand that the only thing that they can do is is get more competitive. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean a win, but get yourself much more competitive. Fly the flag and play the very best you can. That's all you can do as an individual, as a player at the, at the Kangaroos right now. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more because that's where the, the mindset for me goes straight to, to that aspect of it. And, and having had been involved, that change at, at clubs mid-season, it's sort of like, okay, well then – you know, when you were younger, the le- the leaders would take certain full control of of where your destiny holds for this particular for this particular week. So therefore, it's it's Simkin and McDonald as the as the leaders. Goldie is the older statesman, along with Cunnington and Zebel. They're the names that sort of bring up straight away that mm. just need to bring the group together. They've made some change, and they'll have a first game in Wardlaw. A bit of excitement around that to to try and get a little bit of buzz happening. I think through the week, I think that's a a pretty smart move. He's been on the um you know, borderline to play over the last couple of weeks um, anyway. But, Jared, we watched North Melbourne last week, and, and they they were they were terrible. It was the worst game I've seen a team play yeah. this this season. Their basic skills were, yeah. were non-existent. It looked as if they weren't interested. Exactly. Yeah. And, and and that's all you can really put it down to is that is that mindset aspect yeah. because, you know, they're, they're missing a basic handball between you and I, Jared that was hitting the deck that that's just that's a concentration thing and that's a mental application to the game because they can actually physically do it so i agree with that jared in terms of that those aspects around the mental side of the game and they've got a lot to pick up on this this week as a, as a playing group and it's going to be difficult because they're so young but yeah that's why the that's why it's just the way they attack the ball so is how the they'll attitude. be judged it yeah. won't be the scoreboard no how are you attacking the ball what sort of what sort of uh, you, you know ferociousness and, and what sort of competitiveness are you bringing, no matter whether you're first gamer or you're 330 gamer. Well, they did it not that long ago against Carlton and Marvel. Yeah. In their first half under man, they had guys playing on Kurnow and Mackay that were yeah. you know three inches shorter, and they actually fought the fort for a half, and then in the end, Carlton got them. But that's all That's all you want to see from from North Melbourne is is that effort consistently – where they do, where they do fight it, fight it out against the the opposition, yeah. Because at the moment, I think the opposition will look at him going, well, "This is a this is a percentage boost if we play the Kangaroos," and that's the biggest blight on a on a playing group that you can you can have. Yep. So if you can fight it out and make it difficult for for the opposition, then at least you walk away with your head held high, knowing that yeah, we're not good enough at the moment, but at least we're doing things that will help us improve as the year goes on into the next summer, into the next season, because that's where the view. Has to go towards. So that's the footy element, and then you've got the competition and the re- and the legal realities yeah. of that's life, right. and they're so, so how, complex. How deep mm. are the failings oh. to your eye? Well, they're very deep because there doesn't appear to be an outcome. So all we've got left is carnage, and I mean the only outcome I can see is you know they go to civil courts, and you know that's down the track. That's that could potentially be years away. So this is the you know the outcome of a process, whether you think it went was it was uh, put together in the for the right reasons, which I've got no doubt it was put together for the right reasons. But uh, I think there's varying thoughts on how it was implemented. But all I all we can see is the carnage. Yeah, and everybody associated with it has been profoundly damaged. Yeah. So this morning, Jeff Kennett was making the case that Hawthorne did everything right. It, even his words were just shockingly naive in the way that it was put together as a storytelling exercise mm. that had no standing with any, within any legal framework. How did you imagine it was going to transpire if something was turned up? 
and then the machinations between uh, Hawthorne and the AFL. And Jeff was relying on this idea that the report got leaked. The report didn't get leaked. Is what ran in the ABC were a concurrent set of interviews, which were done while the Hawthorne work was being done, of which they were entirely oblivious mm. to. So, the, the and the families who are so caught up in this now, they they didn't seek they they weren't seeking to tell their story. No. They were asked. Yep. So they have been exposed to something that they never wanted to be part of, and there's a clear trauma there. Whilst the three people within football who were instantly named have had no capacity to defend their reputations or rebut anything that's been in the public environment have just been failed so badly. Mm. So does it not get to, if it doesn't go through mediation and excuse me here, because I I don't understand it. So I'm asking you the question, does it get to court? Because you might have three, three people that wanted to go there to tell their side of the the story potentially, but then you might have the other side that go, now we, as you said before, we were asked about this. Do we really want it to go through right through to that? Does, yeah. Is that is that the answer? Because everyone's telling me that court's the answer, and I don't know the process. But so even if it I don't gets know whether court, that is to get to court. There's always a requirement for both an sides, att- an attempt at mediation. Yeah. Yes. So you know the mediation element for the AFL looks as if it's dead, um, but if it ends up in the courts, well, it'll be back on again. So the the way that it would end up in court was. The families would take action, civil action against Hawthorne, right? Or Fagan, Burt, and Clarkson would take defamation action against varying parties, which mm. would sort of test the truth. No, not, neither of which are a formality. Okay, is it's entirely likely this will just sit as a an unanswerable, unanswered vacuum yep. and a real scar for everybody yep. who was any part mm. of yep. it. Yeah, and I think in in some respects. Um, it would be it would be better to go to court and and resolve it than mm. have that you know that empty vacuum as you, as you say whether or not it gets to that and uh, you know we've got one man who's had to leave his job you've got another man who's coaching a potential premiership the the greatest uh the you know potentially the greatest moment in his AFL coaching career they're they're uh, they're flying up there at the present time he doesn't need this to to burn him and to distract him and and um, Bert. I'm not sure what what's happened to him because no, he's, he's the hurt his profile. life. Yeah, is because you know he's dealing with it on a professional front, sort of away from yep. the AFL side of things. So, on the day that the AFL had to deal with it, I th- I still think the contention of handing it over to an independent party, which runs against everything the AFL typically does, was sound. Because if the AFL had run it to this point, there would have been accusations of whitewash, yep. as you are favouring your football people at uh, over expendable yep. people in the community. Well, even lawyers today said they weren't prepared to go through the process. There's two families outside of this current process because they thought it'd be a sham if it was with the AFL. So it was the uh, initially it was the right uh, idea, but to have made no progress yep. across eight months is just. I mean, I know for a period of time it was bewildering to the AFL who couldn't get any visibility into what was going on inside the independent process and, and they just weren't making any progress. So the one thing that Jeff Kennett may have right in this, and uh, I'm not saying his other stuff is wrong, but uh, this, it does appear as if it is going nowhere and it will probably fall apart, won't it, in the next week or so? Yeah, and then I think there's the question is, does, does the community accept it if it falls apart? And then specifically, does the Indigenous community accept mm. it if it falls apart? Football sought them out yeah. and then left them high and dry if, if nothing comes of it. So it, it it's so cha- it, it, on the day that it all happened, it felt like the biggest challenge that the game had faced since mm. the Essendon saga, yeah. and that's precisely how it's mm. drawn out since then. Yeah, I don't see any outcome uh, that's going to be a good outcome. So, where it where it finishes, you need a better legal mind than I've got, Jared, to, to work this one out. But uh, all I can see is damage all over the place. Yeah, and mm. and for Clarkson, um, you know, nobody knows his his state. How long yeah. does it break him long term? Um, yeah, the fact that it sort of took down the strongest figure yeah. g- gives you an idea of just what the toll what the of pressure it is. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, I suspect uh, we'll see Clarko back, but you can never tell with these sorts of uh, issues. So I guess we just all sit on the sidelines and uh, just regret what's happened. Mm. That's all we can do. Mm. Just it's And it is a big regret. Uh, we'll talk a bit of Brett Ratton's return to, to the coaching yep. seat on Saturday as well. Is he was one who was mistreated at the end of last season, regardless of how that looks in hindsight. Uh, he was dreadfully treated within football and not for the first time. And Todd Viney, when he made that phone call, was half thinking that he would say, no, he mm. wasn't ready. So he heard from Brett for the first time today. He'd been planting Japanese maples to find a bit of <laughs> peace in his life. 3,000 of them. He's got another 3,000 on order, but he doesn't think Must he'll get to them now <laughs> out on a friend's farm. So Brett Ratton's returned to the coach's box. He's been there in a part-time capacity for Alastair Clarkson, but he holds the reins of North Melbourne now. We'll talk that as we count down toward this Friday night footy match to start round 10 in Adelaide. It's Port Adelaide and Melbourne. The pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for Tylers. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian Agriculture and Repco Authorised Service. Port Adelaide and Melbourne is our Friday night footy fair. Our presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco Authorised Service. Nam versus Yatapulti as they have adopted the Indigenous names for Sir Doug Nichols round. Jared Waitley, Jared Healy, Brad Johnson, Adam White is going to join us for the call a little closer to the opening siren. We're going to touch base with Port Adelaide in a moment. So both teams seven and two. Just give me a What's Port Adelaide seven and two in your eyes, Jared? Whacked Brisbane in a really yep. odd game, got belted by Collingwood, and then a progressively put together six on the trot. I think Port Adelaide seven and two is a really impressive performance from where they came from at the start of this year. They've got some injuries when you consider that they've been able to overcome a couple of losses after that uh, fantastic start against Brisbane, then they went uh, one and th- one and two for memory, and then they faced the Swans, and they looked like they were going to go one and four, and then then the uh, reverse curse, it, it just cut in, and they haven't lost since. It's been quite extraordinary. There's been a lot of good stuff in there. Chris Davies is the GM of footy at Port Adelaide, as they are tonight, Yatapulti. Chris, great to have you on AFL Nation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Do you want to run the same exercise? What's your seven and two worth to your eye? <laughs> Oh, look, yeah, we're really pleased to be in this position right now. As you say, as Jared said before, you know, after um, those two losses against Collingwood and Adelaide, and we all feel you know, terrible over here when we, when we lose a showdown. So you know, I've been really pleased with the way that the group have fought back. Um, you know, the players and, and our coaches have done a really good job. What's, what, what, would you, what would you say about Ken Hinckley's coaching during that phase? And it, it corresponds either by coincidence or by design with when he goes down to the bench? Yeah, look, I, I think Ken has done a, a really good job this year, um, and as he has you know, for our club for a long period of time. Um, you know, certainly, he's getting a different perspective um, of the game from the bench, and I think also you know, a different perspective of what our players are feeling in-game as well. So um, yeah, I think that's... Um, been a plus for us so far. Whether he stays down on the bench or not is, you know, remains to be seen. But I think for the moment, um, it's certainly provided some insight to him that has, has given us great value. Chris, Indigenous round or, or rounds, it does go over a, a couple of weeks. The education, the knowledge we gain, it's, it's just fantastic. How's the week been from a Port Adelaide perspective? No, it's been fantastic. And, you know, our club is, is really honoured, I guess, to be, um, you know, kicking off um, the, the round itself, um, you know, our club's got a significant history with, um, you know, Aboriginal players um, and the support that we provide Aboriginal people. So, um, you know, we're, we're really pleased, as I say. You know, our Aboriginal players um, this week took the opportunity to tell, our, um, you know, our entire group about, you know, their, their family's histories. So, um, you know, we spent a, a, you know, a fair bit of time um, educating our, you know, the majority of our group on that, um, not only this week, but... Um, you know, more broadly, I'm here on, in the middle of Adelaide Oval at the moment. We've got our you know, Aboriginal Power Cup um, finalists playing here, which is, um, you know, um, Aboriginal people from all around the state who come down um, for a football carnival, you know, culminating in, in two teams playing on Adelaide Oval at the moment. So, uh, no, it's a significant moment for our club and, and we're pleased to be hosting it right now. Chris, can you uh, do your very best uh, impression of Tanny Gregg 
you don't have to put the key in the ground, <laughs> but uh, what's what's the weather conditions and what's the turf like? I thought you were going to ask me to say something, you know, two for 22. <laughs> no, 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 leave that to Richie. No, I'm, 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 uh, I'm here um, in the, like, it's conditions are fantastic, a bit cold, um, yeah. a little bit dewy on the oval, but um, right now um, there's no place I'm sure both teams would rather be. Chris, I know you I hope you'd be scoring 22-2 tonight. How do you score against the Ds? Uh, look, it's a, it's a good question, and with, you know, a, a number of our, you know, what, most people would consider our, our best forward line out. Um, you know, we're certainly going to have to um, find a way to score. I, I, you know, what I do feel like is that our is our club is far better prepared right now than we have been the last couple of times that we've taken them on, even without, you know, um, probably our, our best forward line. It does feel like we're playing in a way that's a bit more sustainable than we have in previous years. I think, you know, it's going to revolve around our pressure in the in the forward line. If we can keep that up, then... And then you know we might be able to you know snag some um, some pressure sort of goals, which I think is going to be important. Um, you know we can't afford to bomb it in. Um, we're going to have to be good enough to um, to be able to lower our eyes. But um, pressure in in the forward line has really been the key to our game um, and the resurgence of it so far. In some in some respects, I'm pleased that uh, we're getting another look at Ollie Lord. He's just playing his fourth game, but. He looked uh, he looked really impressive last week against a uh, a much lesser opposition. Clearly, but you know, in two or three years' time, he could, uh, based on what we've seen, and it's only been a glimpse, he looks like he could be a hell of a player. Yeah, look, he, he competes really hard. And, um, you know, his under-18 year was, was that COVID year where he only really played school footy, so he's still learning. Um, but as I say, he competes really hard. He's He's been remarkably good, actually, for a big bloke below his knees. Yeah. Um, you know, his ability to, to pick it up and, and dish it off to some of those, you know, maybe more classy, you know, forwards and, and mids running past. Um, but we've been we've just been pleased with him, you know, so far this year with the competitive nature that he has. Um, he's had a bit of a you know a convoluted start to his AFL career or his time on our on our list. He's he's had some pretty significant injuries, including a ruptured kidney earlier mm. in preseason. So um, you know, we're we're just pleased that he's he's battling on and um, you know he certainly deserves his spot right now um, in our forward line. Yeah, it was his ball control below his knees uh, and on the ground that impressed me last week. He looked like a kid that was a uh, was a, a midfielder and then had a growth spurt. Uh, so he's taken those skills with him. But how are we going to line up? Uh, obviously, Finlayson is having a terrific year. Power Pepper, they'll be the, the two mainstays, I assume. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, Lysett comes back in from a ruck perspective, so you know, we hopefully we can we can leave Jeremy, you know, a bit more forward maybe than we have over the last few weeks. Um, Power Pepper, as you say, has become a really important you know pressure forward for us. Um, you know, McIntyre. You know, we might have a midfielder who spends a little bit more time maybe yeah. um, forward um, tonight, but um, look, it won't be too much different than last week. Obviously, Todd came. Todd Marshall came out of the team from last week. Um, Darcy Byrne Jones comes back in, um, which should allow us, as I say, to hopefully you know put some real pressure on the Melbourne defenders once the ball hits the ground. Well, you've got me thinking now. If this was a state of origin game, South <laughs> Australia versus uh, Victoria, <laughs> Rosie is a Victorian for memory, isn't he? But it, let's just assume... No, he's, he's South Australian. Okay, so he's a no. South Australian. I reckon in that side, he, he may even come out of a half-forward flank, or you could actually put him to full forward and uh, really challenge Stephen May and Melbourne to <laughs> to do it. Oh, clearly, you haven't got quite as many backup midfielders as you would at State of Origin level, but he looks a guy who grew up in the forward line, or at least uh, emerged from the forward line, who could go back there and do some damage. I used to love watching those State of Origin games back when I was a kid um, with you and, and uh, you know, the fantastic South Australian players playing. But, yeah, you know, we've got, you know, Rosie. Horn Francis can go forward yep, as well and, yep. and play a role. He did so, last week, you know, yeah. Maybe, you know, Butts but is, is probably the one who's more the mid-half forward. But, yeah, I mean, Connor and, and Jace Horn Francis have got the ability to to um, to go forward, definitely. And, and we're probably going to need them at various points to go forward tonight. What is keeping Charlie Dixon out at the moment, Chris? Uh, look, a, a wreck fem sort of strain that, that he got in the lead up to last week. Plus, his you know his knees not 100 percent either. So um, we just got to a point you know um, yesterday where we just thought, look, we we can we can suit him up tonight, and I guess the the potential is greater for him to actually you know do something properly and and spend have to spend you know a decent period out. Which you know Charlie's a really important player for for us structurally. Um, so, yeah, you know, hopefully if we can give him, you know, another week here and, and potentially get back next week, you know, we don't play until 
next Sunday, so he's got a little bit more time if we can if we can you know nurse him through. Um, yeah, we, we would have obviously far preferred him to, to be playing, but you know the, the reality is we've got to look both short and long term with where the season's at. Chris, a lot of talk last week, obviously around Jason and you know match up against the the Kangaroos. He was very quiet early on at the one disposal, but worked his way into the game. I thought uh, quite well, and and Jared and I both both did the game last last week. How did you assess his performance against his uh, his old club? Yeah, I think as you said there, Brad, you know, he, he definitely worked into it, and and in many ways, yeah, you know, I'm I'm really pleased with the maturity that he's showing. He's actually had that a number of times this year where, you know, although he hasn't started the game maybe in the way that he would have liked, um, he's been able to, to work in, you know, through the through the game into becoming one of the better players on the ground. So, um, you know, there's no doubt that um, last week was a big week for him um, with every um, thing that has gone on, you know, over the off-season. So I think to, to park that game behind him now, I'm sure he would have been looking at that game for, for a few weeks um, to get through it. Um, and to be the the player you know, that he hopes to be into the future, you know, we'll, I guess we'll we're all going to get a, a look at whether that can can happen. But we've been really pleased with his ability to to work through things, as I say. And Chris, we love we love a rapid rise in this in this competition, and, and we're getting that at the moment from from Miles Bergman. Mm. What has been the difference in in his performance that uh, has really impressed you? I look, you know, Miles has been fantastic for us, as you, uh, you know, as you've you've highlighted there. I mean, look, he started, he did the whole preseason as if he was going to play on the wing, and um, you know, the, the reality was we we had a few um, players out um, early in the year where we just felt like, you know, maybe he could go back and and do a job again, um, you know, as a as a half back. Look, he's a he's a really diligent worker. You know, I was, I was leaving the club late last night and he was, he was in the ice bath doing everything that he possibly could to, to be ready for the game. You've got to admire, you know, a young player who, you know, is, is already getting a real sense of what he needs to perform well. Um, and that's been a challenge, you know, for us over time. We've certainly been talking to our players through this last four or five weeks is to, you know, to embed some of the things that they're actually doing well at the moment. So when we're under pressure, in the future, you know, we're not going to win every game from from here until you know the end of the year. But you know, we've got to be able to anchor their performances back. And Miles is you know someone who um, you know is getting really comfortable with the way that he needs to prepare himself during the week. Uh, looks after his body, as you can see. You know, it's a, it's a fair body to look after. So uh, <laughs> he's certainly um, he's certainly growing as a player. Just looking at your numbers, uh, you're one of the lower scoring sides from the back line, but uh, with his form, that should change, hopefully. Or is it more a, a style play? I think I think it's a bit of both, Jared. I think, you know, in many respects, you know, we, we want to be a, a forward half pressure team. So, you know, we do rely on bringing the ball to the ground in, in the forward line and pressure from those, you know, smaller players. But, you know, we also don't um, want to lose the fact that we can get some more punch out of that defensive area. And, and Miles is the type of player that, um, you know, can can provide not only that, you know, the tall intercept defender. He does play taller than probably what he is. He's, he's got some courage to go back into, you know, dangerous spots, but he also has a fantastic um, boot on him that can take the game forward. So uh, we, we definitely want to get some more punch out of our defence. There's no doubt about that. We don't want to just rely on, on pressure in the forward line. We certainly, you know, as, as our team evolves, um, we would like to be able to, to you know, move the ball a bit quicker from our back half. I've got two questions you'll ask you, but I've only got time for one. So <laughs> next time I speak to you, I'm going to ask you uh, what your ambitions are in football down the track. But more importantly, and this may be tied to it, are you going to be able to sign Miles Bergman? Well, look, that's a, it's a challenge. And what I do know is our club is doing everything we possibly can to, to make you know not only Miles, but all of our players, whether it be, you know, George Artis who's also out of contract, you know, these guys that, that um, the environment as, is as good as we can possibly have yep, it. Yep. You know, if, if ultimately they want to return home, then we also need to respect that because, you know, we, we get plenty of players who want to go the opposite way. But uh, all we can do, and I know all Ken can do, is provide the right environment for our players to flourish. And, and right now it feels like we're in a pretty good spot. Chris, great to have you with us. Good luck for tonight. Good on you guys. Thanks for your time. Chris Davies is the GM of footy at Port Adelaide. We will be in the Melbourne camp next on our pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers.
AFL Nation Friday night footy, Port Adelaide, Yatapulti against Melbourne, Nam in Sir Doug Nichols round. AFL Nation for elders, for Australian agriculture and for tyre power, get the power. Inside the Melbourne coaching staff, we have Troy Chaplin with us. Troy, great, Troy, great to have you on AFL Nation. G'day, Jared. Thanks very much for having me. Does top four footy get the juices flowing away from home? Oh, it certainly does, and especially coming here as well. It's As we know, it's a great ground, and Great ground to play at. Uh, the supporters get right behind it here. And, yeah, we're looking forward to a real challenge tonight. Port Adelaide are probably one of the informed teams in the competition. So we know it's going to be a real challenge, but our boys are looking forward to it. Troy, we spoke to Chris Davies earlier about Indigenous Round and, and Port Adelaide's experience throughout throughout this week. What was it like from a, a Melbourne football club perspective? Yeah, look, it's been a really good week, John. We had, uh, obviously, the Cosy documentary with uh, Track going to his hometown and then we had on our main training day, uh, we had our, our club chef cook up some Indigenous food using Indigenous ingredients, but we also had food from where the boys come from. So Maisie, Deacon Smith, Cosy, they all had different types of food for us. And it was just a really good experience just to learn about the food from their area, talking about their cultures. It's just, it's a, it's a great concept from the AFL and, and both clubs especially get right behind this. I know my time at Port Adelaide had some great, Indigenous players and, and Melbourne are in the next phase of their rap. So both teams are heavily involved in um, the Indigenous side of football and, and uh, their cultures. So we're just wrapped to be a part of this game and, and both teams change their name accordingly. It's just it's fantastic and we just continually learn and, and get better in uh, understanding about them and, and their history and their cultures. We're all smiling in here, actually, uh, Troy, when you're mentioning the, the different types of food. What were, what were some oh, of the tastes oh, that you experienced? Well, well, we had buffalo pepperoni. We, oh. had, we had bloody chocolate slices with all these berries in it. We had to tell the boys just to go easy. But <laughs> Stephen May was very proud of what he had. He had some uh, there's some jams with uh, green ants and buffalo pepperoni. He just kept taking it around the boys like, try this, like this is unreal. And it was just it was a great experience and just a great day for all the boys and our staff to be involved in. Troy, uh, you're running the back line, and uh, we've been debating. About Brayshaw, you've lost Sparrow, so uh, do you panic and stick Brayshaw in the middle of the ground or do you just demand uh, retention given uh, it's nine-tenths of the law possession? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we will use him a little bit through the midfield tonight. He, Tommy Sparrow is pretty important for us and Gussie, um, that's why he brought Salo in. Salo's got a good block of training in under his belt. Um, compared to this time last year where we had to rush him back a little bit, we weren't playing our best, whereas this time we've been a little bit more careful with him and made sure he's done the work. So Salo will come in there and Gus will spend a bit more time through the midfield, but he'll flip with Salo, Clayton and Trent Rivers as well. So he'll play a bit of halfback too. So um, I'll lose him for a little bit tonight, but yep. I'll also get him for, um, for times throughout the night as well. I've been, uh, been a little bit concerned that Stephen May isn't in Brad Johnson's rolling all-Australian side <laughs> now. Uh, he's not far away, Troy. <laughs> How's he been tracking? Uh, his last couple of weeks have been a lot better. He, he was probably a slow starter. He, he hurt his calf early in the year and um, probably had a, those two weeks where he's trying to get back. Probably just lost a little bit of um, confidence in that acceleration. And because he's a quick player and the way he plays, he, he does, does give his opponent a little bit of room to rely on that closing speed. So there's probably a few weeks there where he wasn't at his best, but the last two weeks he's been fantastic and Hopefully by the end of the year he is in that All-Australian team because it means he's going pretty bloody well. Yeah, that's it. And you're actually really fighting for a, uh, a top four, if not top two, finish to the year. The Hunter-Langdon combo, Troy, is really working well. Uh, it's starting to come together. Yeah, it is. And uh, you know Lockie pretty well, um, John Ober. He's a very smart footballer. He, uh, he's, uh, he's got fast speed around contests. He makes really good contest decisions. Um, uses the ball, uses the ball well by hand and foot. So he's given us a different dimension, and we know what lingers bring. So they're two different types of wingers, but um, within our system, they're very important to us. So uh, we've been really happy with what Lockie's been able to do, and and Ed's a consistent player. You know what you're going to get from Ed week in week out. That's that running at um, high volume running. He's going to give us outlet. Um, he's going to hopefully hit the scoreboard at times. So uh, we're really wrapped with how those guys are going. They're very important to us. The uh, tribunal, the MRO, wasn't as impressed with uh, Lockie Hunter's uh, creativity <laughs> and intelligence as perhaps we were. Was it was it was it worth a fine, or do you think a letter could have sufficed? Oh no! Well, it's actually funny because I do a we have a bit of fun uh, main training day, and I do Chappie's tip of the week. And my tip of the week was if you're on the bench, 
you actually have to stay on the bench. Right. We were, we, were, we were wrapped that he was looking to come forward, but you've got to be on the field to do that. And we had a bit of a laugh about it. And then he said to me the next day, he goes, it's not so funny now, is it? Yeah. Uh, does that apply to coaches? Later. Because we have seen coaches uh, doing all sorts of things on the bench yeah. when they're close to a win. Yeah, I think the coaches have been warned as well Rather. a couple of times. So yeah. I think everyone's understanding it. And it probably, we got to please explain. And I think it's just, it was probably a bit silly on Lockie's part. So the fine was probably warranted in the end. And Troy, back in the day, if you're, Ran into the umpire accidentally. The, the team would come together and and pay the fine potentially as a as a collective. Did they leave him one out? Yeah, here? Totally. They left him one out. He tried to bring that up. He said his time at the Bulldogs, they used to do a bit of a kangaroo court. And generally, they'd all chip in, but the boys went, "We don't think so. That doesn't happen here." <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> you controlled the game last week in across really the four the four quarters. What do you take away from from those performances where you control it from from start to finish? Yeah, I think ever since probably the Essendon game here in Gather Round, we've, we've got back to what our, um, our DNA is and really invested in the defensive side of the game. And thought early on, especially in the first quarter against Hawthorne, our pressure around the footy was elite um, at a high level. And we were able to get the ball back quickly and then score on turnover. So we knew it. Like, I mean, at half time, we, we kept into nine points, which is, which is fantastic. But we knew at some stage they were going to get a little bit of momentum. You're never going to keep a team to 18 points for a game. Like this is the AFL, so our players knew that Hawthorne were going to come at some stage. So they come hard in that third quarter, but we're able to reset and get the game back on our terms. So probably the last month, our defence has really picked up. Um, we've been still able to score, which is pleasing. So both uh, both phases of our game at the moment are in good check, but we're going to get a real good... Um, look at it tonight against a team who's playing really well so we know the challenge is going to be there and we're looking forward to testing ourselves against the top four teams. We're all looking forward to it Troy thanks for your time tonight and good luck. No worries have a great call guys. Troy Chaplin assistant coach at Melbourne. Tomorrow's car is available today a selected range of the Hyundai Tucson's including the powerful fuel efficient diesel all-wheel drive models are in stock ready to drive away tech driver Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. The teams are as selected. The subs have been named Jackson Mead is the sub for Port Adelaide and James Jordan is the sub for Melbourne. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. I don't think he'd be lost for the game. The game will be worse off if he's out of it. Um, what I do hope is that you know, and this is the only thing I'll say on it, that um, everyone just gives him the privacy and the time that he needs. You know, from a media perspective, let's just back off for a while. The game's hard enough as it is, especially with this cloud hanging over him at the moment. And he, unfortunately, has been the face of it. I challenge any person to handle the workload and then the nature of, you know, that report and, and what has hung over his head for eight months. It's a challenging time. So let's just step back, give him the time that he needs and... You know, I and probably every other footy, man, footy person in the industry wants him back ASAP. You hope it sort of comes to a head soon? Well, I would think it should. The passionate words of Damien Hardwick, a close friend of Alastair Clarkson. So Hardwick speaking at his press conference for Richmond today. This is AFL Nation for Elders. Win the ultimate grand final weekend by opening an Elders prepayment account. And for tyre power, get the power. Jared Waitley, Jared Healy, Brad Johnson with you. Adam White is going to join us for the call of Friday night footy at the commencement of round 10. Port Adelaide and Melbourne from Adelaide Oval. Clarkson's absence has Brett Ratton stepping back into the fray, uh, who was um, dreadfully mistreated by St Kilda yep. at the end of last season. Um, one of the good people of football was done over twice in the coaching role. Yep. He was cast aside by Carlton for the idea of Mick Malthouse, and then St Kilda made their choice quite sort of shockingly in October. Um he was Brett Ratton today. He's got a, he still has a lovely philosophical way about him. But I think in what he was talking about, the pain of the St Kilda sacking is very real for him. Yeah, I've known Al for a long time and, and the club um, needed somebody to step in. I thought, you know, yep, I'll do it. Um, I know it's only for a short time, but um, I you know, sort of spoke to my wife, but I was prepared to come in. And, you know, it, it's about the North Melbourne Footy Club. It really, first it's more about Al to get healthy, but then it's about the football club moving on. And Al's going to be right, and he's going to um, get healthy and, and get back. He just needs the time away. So, um, yeah, we'll just let him do that. I'm just warming the seat, and he'll be back. We want to make sure that we perform at the level we're after, and I think you know this could be the motivating factor to, you know, we 
do it for Alan, make sure that we put a smile on his face. This is Al's program and we're on a, we're on a path um, as a football club to continue that and make sure that we keep improving in aspects of our game. And He's a good man for traumatic times. Mm. He is. He's a terrific bloke, and uh, I think we we're all very disappointed for him personally. And uh, it would have been, you know, a savage personal blow t- to him. I, I know you uh, spoke to Ernie Merrick after that, and uh, he was, or just prior to that, and he was w- one of his uh, assistant coaches, and it gave us a great insight into the coach and, uh, I guess, the devastation uh, of, of losing it after having been encouraged uh, with a two-year deal only a few months earlier, but uh, I mean, he's a resilient guy. He's bounced back, and the one thing I was pleased with, Jono, looking at the changes, he hasn't forgotten how to swing the axe. <laughs> Six changes. Then I was disappointed that only one of them was omitted, so uh, the rest was suspended and uh, injured, which gives you a, an indication as to just how difficult a challenge this is. Cause suspended, Zerhar injured, Curtis Taylor omitted, Darcy Tucker injured, Perez injured, Marnie injured, Luke Davies, Uniaki. So of those, you know, two or three starting players in particular, Davies, Uniaki is a big loss. But uh, it, it is a big loss. But, I mean, Rats is a good man. He, he's uh, He's been in difficult situations before. He'll bring the group together. Nothing guarantees you a result, but I think we're going to see a pretty unified force. Yeah, definitely. All the eyes go to Coleman Jones, I think, in terms of uh, some of the players that do come in for, for North Melbourne. Aaron Hall will provide run. Tom Powell, Will Phillips need to lift their rating a little bit in the first game of George Woodlaw. So, well, he's the focus. That, mm. That's probably the we focus. We all want to see it? George. We because, all want to uh, see George and if the kangaroos Sheasel are next to each other. Yeah, if the kangaroos are going to amount to, to anything in Clarko's reign, he needs Sheasel and Woodlaw to be generational talents. Mm. Yeah, so Blakey and, and, and Lee Adams were the other two, I suppose, in contention potentially to to play this role. It was it was all if Brett Ratton had have declined the uh, the opportunity and mm. just con- um, continued on with the way that he was, um, you know, working at this particular point, which wouldn't probably have surprised anyone anyway. So um, maybe Lee Adams might have got another chance at it um, as well as a as an option. He can, could have, but I think they've made the right call. No, they have. Can you get a rousing? Performance in circumstances like this, seen There's it plenty a, of times before. We, yeah, we have it, but it's normally off the back of a sacking that you get it. Not, not, not the That's coach true. just sort of you know stepping aside to work on his own um, own health and and uh, will come back into the fold hopefully at, at some point. So it's normally off the back of that. It's a fresh approach, and then off you go. This is the same approach, just a different voice selling. Um, the message of what the way they want to coach, be coached this week or the way they want to play, sorry, this week. Their side looks remarkably better when Coleman Jones comes into it, though. All of a sudden, you've got two focal points up forward and they can put Griffin Logue back into defence, which stiffens them up because McKay's been... Uh, well, he's, he's been OK the last two weeks, but before that, he's been horrible. So, you know, you've got Logue and McKay and, and Zeeble, and they're up against the side that is struggling. I mean, struggling the Bilio. So mm. if there was to be an upset... Uh, John Longmire will—he won't sleep easily until this game is done and well, dusted. And they got some key players out, Jared. Absolutely, yeah. When you look at uh, Mills and, and McDonald and Hickey in particular, straight back into the side and then out again mm. with with injury. Look, <laughs> I can't see them beating the Swans, but with those outs and you sort of start to think, well, there's a bit of there's a bit of a change and that excitement that they may be able to to bring forward as a, as as a group and maybe the thought process goes to well, we. We let Clarko down last week in terms of performance I'm talking about. Well, what can we do when he's sitting at home watching this week? What are the couple of things that that he'll be looking for from us as a team? And that's spirit and that's energy and that's a competitive nature and all the things that take no talent whatsoever. I reckon early last year, might have been around three or four, the Kangaroos were about four goals up at three-quarter time and just uh, fell over the over uh, with Heaney, I think, dominating late. Yep. And he's one who needs to lift his work mm. rate. He's just not uh, anywhere near the player he was this time last year. And there's half a dozen people in that boat with the Swans. Jared, we sat there last Friday night aghast as one of the more blatant pushes in oh. the back in our time <laughs> watching the game went unwhistled. <laughs> Experienced umpire side on view, saw it all and decided that Dustin Martin didn't push Mark O'Connor in the back. Just really needed the, an answer to yep. reaffirm our faith in the rules and the flow of the game. This was Ray Chamberlain during the week. That's just an error, on-field error from an umpire, which we don't try and do. Um uh, but you're not allowed to push in the back in a marking contest. So uh, we would expect a free kick to be paid there. 
and we've just we've made a mistake and and we're all human you can place your hands in the back of an opponent in a marking contest and protect your space but you cannot push them and create the space yep that's probably the easiest way for me to try and illustrate or or give an image of what you're allowed to do you cannot push an opponent in the back in a marking contest you're the minister for push in the back jared <laughs> Where well, you sit there? look, I'm very uncomfortable with the push in the back and have been for about four years. I've uh, shown a lot of highlights of it on the couch in a, uh, in a different uh, era. And I think it's been disgracefully umpired for a long period of time. I was pleased that Ray confirmed that it was still alive, push in the back. But I see it in the ruck and I see it in marking contest. And, and whilst his explanation about creating space I think is good, it's also, in my view, if you push the guy out of the contest... And he's no longer – he's taken the front spot with which you're supposed to get protection for taking the front spot. You know, everybody's been coached. It's a pillar of the game. Take the front spot. Bloke in front gets protection, etc. But it doesn't – it's not umpired that way anymore. There's too many guys unrewarded for getting shoved out of the out of the contest. Are there too many guys propelling themselves forward in no, the contest? That, that, no, no, no. I'm, I'm just asking you, is, the, is there too many of that that judge that – that influence the umpire's decision in these in these moments because you know you get the one where he propels himself forward and the umpire pays it and you get the blatant ones that they're not that they're not paying because there's obviously discussions around around that side of things. I want to see a pure contest in a fight yep. and if you're pushed out it's it's a free. But if you're in front and you're propelling, I don't care in that aspect. I, I don't mind actually the umpire not making that call in that particular moment. Yeah, if it's ex- if it's exaggerated, yeah. and I think we all know the exaggerated ones, but I take it back to the, was it a final last year when Papley pushed somebody out and he ended up with a goal? I mean, it was the clearest push of all time, mm. and yet there was no feedback and there was no discussion, and it's just laps. And, and the ruck contest I find really frustrating when a ruckman takes the front spot and then he gets pushed out and there's no reward. So, look, I think it's a great segment, and I really appreciated Ray's... Um, Contribution, I always listen, and I think they should do more of it, the, the panel, but it still doesn't convince me that uh, they're any way clearer to what a push in the back is. And if I was running the rules committee, I'd be straight back to, you put the hands in the back, it's a free kick, full yep. stop. Oh, that, go back that far. So not even allowed to hold no, your... No, hold your... we had that rule done as a competition. It was introduced, there was a bit of pain for six months, and then it was 100% clear for a whole season... And uh, Steve Hocking, in his wisdom, it's the only thing he did wrong, Steve Hocking. I mean, some will say the uh, stand rule will uh, uh, go on his gravesite. But uh, to me, it'll be reverting that rule, the push in the back, because it's created mayhem. The twist in the rules session, Jono, was the revelation that to duck is to give up your prior opportunity, but to drop or to shrug is not that's the way that Sounds the like laws the are written. Du- What's the Mighty Ducks duck dive? No, what was that? Was there a movie duck dive, weave? It's exactly that, isn't it? Where you've got, you don't know what is prior and what isn't in these Well, so we do situations. now. We do well, now. No, Just we do. we didn't. Like, I, I was quite stunned when Ray had explained that to me prior to going on. I, I said to him, I don't think that gives us much of a chance watching uh, because I think we were all of the view that the way that the... the the drive, drop, shrug was your prior opportunity, but it's not. That's not how the rules are at the moment. Do you reckon the umpire of fraternity would be surprised that we've got no idea about that? Um, not that one. Like, well, but if that's the case, if they're not surprised, how the hell haven't they educated us? Yeah, as a game, and I'm, it's probably not the umpire's role, point. but it's head of football, or it's you know, even the education pieces we have prior to the start of the season at Fox and various other places, that has never, ever once been enunciated. No, so we sort of got, we got explained how they'd arrived at the rule in yeah. the middle of last season, but the extra kicker that it wasn't your prior opportunity mm. eluded us. So is the baying in the stands, up? even if you put the rule up on the screen for the stands, it mm. wouldn't make any difference. But, yeah, I was... I was stunned that that was the answer. So which one? So the, the shrug of the shoulder up... Is not, not is not prior. Yep. So, but if you duck forward with your head, if you drive with your head. head the duck, that's that's prior. That's prior. But if you drop at the knees, that's not no. prior. 
that just doesn't entitle entitle you to, to the, the high free to the, kick. for the high free kick. But in this instance, what if there was no prior that yeah, leads that, but that's, to holding the ball? That's the instant nature of it, isn't it? But if you're if you've got time and space, and then you throw your arm up, you will be done for yeah. If you've had your prior, yeah. but your yeah. prior is not the shrug or the drop. So if you if you uh, drop, you get taken by the neck, and so there's no prior, and then you get wrapped up. That should be a ball up, yeah, because you've had no prior. I suspect that will be addressed very shortly. Yeah, but then there, there's almost there's, like there's I been the lingering did, nature did, of did these. Did we forget to put that in the rules yeah. this year? A guy shrugs his shoulder up, he gets taken high. Then there's the lingering aspect of that. That's yeah. the part I don't like with 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 all of this because it goes from a no free kick to potentially a free a free kick for a high because he the the players are holding on a bit longer, knowing that nothing's going to nothing's happening here. Mm. Yeah, I find the whole rule very contentious because, to me, if you're tackled very high up on the deltoid area, you're entitled not to be tackled. So well, you, you lift your arm up to try and break free. That's that's what people have done for a thousand years. You're getting tackled, you try and shrug free. If he then collects your high, he's responsible for the action because you, he should have taken you around the elbows. Yep. There were people who fixated on this and they got their change they in the did. middle of last year, but it was an unnecessary change, I think. <laughs> yeah. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade, providing specialist advice for tilers. We're heading towards Port Adelaide and Melbourne on Friday Night Footy. You're listening to AFL Nation for Elders, for Australian Agriculture and Repco Authorised Service. Port Adelaide and Melbourne at the commencement of Sir Doug Nichols round. The teams are as selected. Jackson Mead is the sub for Port. James Jordan is the sub for Melbourne. Our Friday night presenting partner is Penrite Oil and your local Repco authorised service. The the high points of this round are going to be Saturday night, mid-80,000s for Dreamtime, Essendon and Richmond, and then high 80,000s mm. by the sound of things for Carlton and Collingwood, which has been very much framed around Carlton. What would a win mean for the Blues, Jared Healy? Oh, it'd take a lot of pressure off, which would be fantastic for Vossi. I think he's uh, he, he understands the role he's in, but I think too much too much credit and then too much negative is given to the coach. I mean, the coach can't kick it for you. All he can do is set up uh, the structure for you to mm. you know enable you to kick a winning score. And if, if you go inside forward 50 and you can't hit a target, well, that's not the coach's fault. But Nevertheless, it's uh, he's been under the scrutiny for a fair period of time. It's, I'm not sure what will happen to uh, anybody in Talkback Radio if Carlton do win because uh, we'll have nothing to talk about, Jared. It'll be uh, it'll be dead air for yeah, a bit. Where's Collingwood no, at? We'll, we'll get the other side. <laughs> the, oh, the uplift. Yeah, no, Could we will get really the uplift. Something. Look, I, 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 in some ways I hope they win because, you know, they are, they're an exciting side when they're up and about. I think uh, Charlie's such an important player for them and, and going pretty well, having a good season. Harry's having a disastrous season, I think, confidence-wise. I mean, he's still winning the ball. And it, to me, he's got a technique issue with his round the corner. He's got a, an execution issue, which is is uh, which is a sports psychology issue more than anything else, I think, because he kicks too many good ones. So it's not a, not a technical flaw. I think he's got an issue with his drop punt, but that's something uh, for another day. But... It'd be good, Jono, because it keep it'd get them back in the eight or close enough to back in the eight, and all of a sudden they're in the finals hunt. You're having the other side of the coin. What would a loss mean for Carlton? Oh, yeah. Against Collingwood, it's the way you 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 play, and you, I'm not tipping them to win. So if they they play like teams you're playing the very best, you're down on form. But if you actually compete for long enough, then you actually walk away achieving something from the game. And I think we see that in in footy anyway. So it's more around that. From a Carlton point of view, they've got too many players that want the easy kick off halfback. It's, for me, it's as simple as that. that. That affects their whole structure going forward because they have five blokes who they win the ball at, at 30 metres out defensively, and then they have five guys set up trying to get the easy kick and a stat to then go forward. They've got no, And then they lose all structure from that. When they actually win the ball and they don't have that and they get some play going in the right fashion, back on the 45, cutting angles, using the mm. ball well, they break through well. But too often in recent times, we're seeing five or six guys line up across the ground at half back, just looking for the easy one. And then they'll, then the opposition just close that up, give it to them. And they set up the ground defensively and they can't break through. They're slow and they, they can't play slow play as well as what they can if they get their structure right for a, a bit of a quicker movement of the football. They seriously need a lift from their skipper. He's got to go back to like red zone 
when he's in the red zone, he's a phenomenal player. If he's if he's not the contest beast, then he just become he goes back to being a good player. Mm. But I mean, you just think back to those last ten rounds last year, and and even the last month of footy. I mean, he was that's as good a month of footy as I've seen from anybody. It, it was just amazing, and yet he hasn't reached amazing this year. And 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 maybe unfairly, we we were thinking that you can be amazing all the time in your in your footy career. We know you can't, but he's still got to get his average up. And I think they do need one of those. Cripps amazing games because you're not going to beat Collingwood without it. Right. No, he did it in round 23 and he they did. couldn't beat yeah. them with yeah. it. I so mean, That's as good a game as I think has ever been played yes. as a midfielder. Yep. Are the Suns, so they've won three out of four, yep. but this is the I feel like the highest end test at the moment is the Lions at the Gabba. What I've liked about the Suns though is no Miller and they're playing good they're playing really good football. 12 months ago it was if Miller's Miller not there, bust. Miller or bust. Yeah. So this is and this is on the back of the rise of Rao back to his very yep. best football and and Anderson as well and Wits back into the into the Wits, side. Wits has a, plays a massive role in this in this team. They they need to look at this really seriously, Gold Coast, from that point of view. Their ruck stocks because once Wits de- departs yeah. the game, they need to start building something up underneath that right now because that that's a critical part to the way that you know they're coached and the way they play their footy in the midfield. Yeah, it's a big challenge for them. Mm. I mean. Everybody comes off the back of a West Coast game, buoyed and uh, <laughs> but softened in many respects because it's a it's an easy kill, mm. um, and you know Brisbane saw Carlton come off the back of it and and they torched them, um, so it's it's going to be after Carlton had torched West Coast, so it's it's a real challenge for it's probably the it's probably in my view if they win the greatest win in the history of the club. I can't rem- I can't remember another one as important because you know this. Brisbane are rightly probably the form side with Collingwood of the competition, and it's 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 a it's a a huge challenge for them. They're not in any way as experienced as them. Anderson will, you know, he's going to have some heat as he should because he wants to be the best. So all of a sudden you're going to have to take the the expectation with you, and hopefully he can continue his great form. But uh, it's a, it's a huge cue clash. Where's Marby Achol at? He's been omitted again. Has he? Yeah. So that's and Gee. when you have a look at a, a player that was so dynamic yes, for them uh, last year and just hasn't really been able to find that consistency again in his in his football. Well, obviously with uh, King coming forward, they think they're too tall if if mm. he's in. Well, that's it. They've, they're, well, they've brought Levi Casbold in, so that's the direct swap for okay. well, that, they don't think they're too small. It's just they don't think they're as competitive. I yeah. mean, his issue is competition. Mm. I mean, he should, be, he should be pushing up for an All-Australian squad. That's how talented he is. But if he's if he's not working hard enough, well, you get the flick. Yep. And we've picked the wrong game as the Harley Reid Cup, haven't we? Oh, I just don't think we've forgotten about North Melbourne. Hawthorne aren't in the worst two. No, they no, might be on the, the bottom, three, they're the best. The wor- yeah, clearly. Yeah. Like, and not even close. Yeah. I don't think. No, they're the most competitive. They've played the best footy. If you if you exclude North Melbourne's win a bit against Fremantle, I think consistently Hawthorne have. Hawthorne have a crack. Yeah, I mean they they've seriously got a good have a crack. John Newcomb yep. is a star player. Yeah, and you know he's going to be a player. They build that. Game you can see where around. North Mel- uh, where Hawthorne are going. Tomorrow's car is available today. A selected range of Hyundai Tucson's, including the powerful, fuel-efficient diesel all-wheel drive models, are in stock, ready to drive away. Tech drive a Tucson to see why tomorrow wants its car back. We'll take you through the changes for the rounds. And then get into the preview as Port Adelaide and Melbourne meet at Adelaide Oval. This is the AFL Nation pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Specialists.